This is Radiance Tape number JD-169, a message by Jim Durkin entitled, What is the Christian Life? What is the Christian life? What is the life which is in Christ Jesus? And so I've titled this message, What is the Christian Life? It is an exchange life or a new life. It is exactly what the title says, a totally new life. The old life is written off and valueless. It is not acceptable to God in any form. Now, I want to lay that foundation down for you again so you grasp this. We're speaking about the Christian life. The common concept of life is I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better person. Now, that's not the Christian teaching at all. The Christian teaching has nothing in common with that kind of mentality. So I'm going to read again, what is the Christian life? What is the Christian life? It is a totally new life. In the same way that I held this baby here this morning, this baby is not like has lived for some hundred years and now it's going to kind of get better or become a better baby. There was a time when it did not exist at all. There was a time when it did not exist in this world. There was a time when we knew it was getting ready to come into this world. We could sense that and feel it. But until it arrived in this world, it was not in this world. And it may, in fact, never have come into this world because the Bible says God opens a womb and he closes the womb. That is in his hands. Now, when it came into this world, it was a brand new baby. It had never been here before. There was no prior life which existed like it lived before in Egypt and uh, 2,000 years ago or something or on the earth in France. Nothing like that at all. No reincarnation, a brand new existence. All right. Now, so the Christian life must be understood in this context, this reality, that to be a Christian means a totally new life. The old life is written off. As a matter of fact, the Bible will give several very profound, solid illustrations about it. It is written off and valueless. It is not acceptable to God in any form. There's no way you can patch it up, make it better, say, now I will drop off my habit. I've been cursing a little too much, so now I'm going to quit cursing so much, or I'll, I'll even quit it all together, or I see that I've been a heavy drinker. Well, I'm going to cut that back, or I'm going to get rid of it all together, or I see that I've been a thief and a murderer and a liar. I'm going to quit thieving, murdering, and lying. Now I'm it has nothing to do with that at all. Yes, the new life has none of these things in it, or uh, these things are quickly removed. But the new life is a totally new life, not a gradually better life. All right. To the extent, then, that we depend on or live by the rules or the emotions of the old life, we create things which have been done away. Now, these are illustrations of the Bible. I talks about done away, new life, recreation, See, we're not speaking about better. And I say, whenever we lose sight of that, and we're like, well, I'm still me, and I've always been me, and since the year that I was born, and I'm getting better and better, and I'm working toward being a good Christian, that is a chief weapon of Satan to destroy the reality of what Christ Jesus has brought to you. That at some point in your existence in this earth, see, you came into this earth a new life. And at some point in your existence in this earth, if you have come to Christ, you have begun another life that is completely different from this life here. And nothing in connection with it all except one thing that I'll talk about. And that will be done away in its proper time. All right, now, 
I want you to turn with me to Colossians 3, 1 to 17. We'll begin to see how the Bible deals with this subject. This is God's Word, how He speaks about it. And this is Colossians, the third chapter. I'll just go on reading a number of scriptures here. If you don't, just catch up to it as soon as you can. Bow your heads with me, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for the revelation of truth. Lord, such realities would never come to our own unaided human mind. We would never understand these things at all. We would never grasp them by reasoning them out. It is only as you reveal the reality of what Christ Jesus has done that we have any hope of understanding your ways. But you have revealed them, Father. You have revealed them in your word. You have revealed them to us by your spirit. And now we pray this morning that you open our eyes to a further understanding of your great reality. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, as I read this, I want you to catch an overall sweep. Don't try to, like, say, what is this particular thing in this? Just get the feel of what the Lord Jesus is saying here, and especially verses 1 to 5, but I'm just going to read down to verse 17. If you have been raised up with Christ, and now it's a statement, raised up with Christ. Raised up? What is it referring to, raised up? If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died. Now notice this statement. Now I'm supposed to speak about raised up. If you have been raised up. All right, so I'm saying if you're a Christian, that's a one term. But raised up from what is the question? Well, it says you have died and your life is hid with Christ and God. Now, that is a position that the Christian must understand. If he does not understand that he has died. See, if he only says, well, yes, I've been born again. and I, In other words, we just use the word without understanding. I have been born anew, showing a from this life to this life by some dramatic change that took place here. When you're in the womb, that's one thing. When suddenly you're in the world, that's another thing. And it's a dramatic change that... You cannot go back to this way and live. There is nothing back there anymore, see? And so that was Nicodemus. said, can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb be born again? Jesus said, I speak of heavenly things. That just like you were born in the world in the fleshly sense, now you must be born again. And once you are born again, you cannot say, well, now I will be unborn again. I will go back into the womb of the world in which I, and I will live. You cannot live there. There is no place in that womb anymore for the child or the human that has once been born. And that's why you can never go back into the world and find any peace or satisfaction or life. Many have tried it. All destruction. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Now, you look at that. The members of my earthly body. I must consider them. I am dead. Now I must also do something beyond that. I must consider the members of my earthly body dead. Dead to immorality, dead to impurity, dead to passion, dead to evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Now notice the past tense again. When you were living in them, you did these things. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, 
since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Now notice, not since you are laying aside, since you, say it, laid aside, see, all right, and have put on, not are putting on, have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Just like when the baby is born, it is a baby, total and complete, but now it must grow in knowledge. So, but it can never go back here. That's finished, and we'll explain more about that as we go on. It is in this world, there it is, we're born again, but now we must grow in knowledge. See, but not grow in being a Christian. You are a Christian, or you are not a Christian. You are born again, or you are not born again. You are alive, or you are dead. You are not less dead and more alive. You are alive, or you are not alive. See, very clear line of demarcation. And that must be clearly understood at all times. And you must see that old life for exactly what it is, done away with, it is dead. We are in newness of life. All right. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. Once again, speaking of the newness of life, in this life, my body, which I'll speak about in his proper time, the only part which is not yet renewed, that will be done in his proper time, my body has a claim on it. The United States of America can claim it. I can go over to England and say, I think I'm going to live here. People in England say, you must leave here after a certain time unless you become a citizen or gain a visa here. You must do something which changes your status. The United States says, we are not going to allow you to do this. We demand that you come home. We are removing your passport. They can move my body around, and because I live in it myself as well. They have no claim to the inner man, but they can certainly move my earthly body around. But the Bible says, in this life which we are speaking of, we come into this new life, it says, in that life there is neither, no distinction between Greek or Jew. Now, here there's a distinction between Greek or Jew bodily. We say, oh, yes, the Israelis are over there, or the Jews were people who lived here, the Greeks were here, the Americans are here, the Russians are here, the Romans are there. But in this life that we are speaking about, no Jew, no Greek, no bond, no free, no circumcised, no uncircumcised Christ. And we in that life. See, something happened then. We're saying... Yes, I recognize the Bible saying two things. With my body, someone has a claim on me, and they can say, well, this body was born in the land of Israel, this body was born in the land of the Greeks, this body was born in... But when I became born again, this man, and that man, and that woman, are part of a new country, a new world, and a new life, where there are no such distinctions. Now, see, we have to live in that world. If we keep insisting, well, I'm this and you're that, and, we're, and all of those definitions that we make are of this life, to the extent that we live by those rules and are bound by that thought pattern, to that extent, our mind gets pulled back down to those things, and that's why much of our Christian life is plagued with trouble, because we go on insisting on recreating, the Bible says, the things which have been done away with, we make ourselves transgressors. But I don't live by those rules. See, I live under those rules, I obey the laws of the citizenship, pay my taxes, do what I'm supposed to do, drive the proper way as I can, and so forth. But I don't live by those rules. I live by a higher set of rules which encompasses any good rule. See, 
Now, you have to understand that we have to get over here in this place where the Bible speaks about us and not live by this old set of rules. All right, now. And so, those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, says we're going to be living this new life, see? Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Back to verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Verse 7, in them you once walked when you were living in them. All right, now, in our minds, question I'm going to ask you here. Are we connected to that old life as Christians? What's the answer? The answer is no. We have come into newness of life. Now, that must be in the heart. All right, now. This new life is not just betterment. I'll repeat that to you, but I want you to understand it. It is not reformation or the idea of going someplace and starting over. It's something we hear this many times. That's why I tell people, stay where you are and win the fight where you are. It does no good to say, oh, well, I bone here, now I'm going to go over here and start over and get a new start. There is no possibility of, quote, getting a new start. That's worldly talk. The reason there's no possibility of getting a new start is you are who you are. It isn't that, well, I'll go over here and things will be different. Unless you change, they will not be different over there. See, I say, well, I'll go up to Oregon and start over. Now I'm going to go to New York and start over. Now I'm going to go to Texas and now I'm going to go to England and start over. It will not be different in those places. But if you change, it will be different. It will then be different in Oregon. It will be different in New York. It will be different in Texas. It will be different in England. It will be different. But if you change by believing this and walk in it, it will also be different here. So wherever you are, you change, and everything changes around you to conform to the reality that you have changed. That's why many people, you hear them all their life say, man, I've been to a hundred churches and no love in any of them. Another person goes, you know, man, I love hearing the brother and love me here and the brother and love me here, and this is wonderful. I found grace, and I found, oh, it's just so wonderful. To... Say, are those people talking about the same churches? Yes, yeah, same churches. One is living in life, the other is living there. See, trying to interpreted by these rules instead of over here. All right. Now, John 3, 1 to 7. I'd like you to turn there. Read that. It's an interesting thing what the Lord says here. He's dealing here with Nicodemus. You remember the ruler that came to him by night? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Now, what is the Lord Jesus referring to here? Nicodemus was puzzled by this. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now notice this born again illustration. Nicodemus is puzzling. He says, well, I understand being born the first time, like I was carried in the womb of my mother, and then at the proper time came to term, and I was born. Now I want to point out some illustrations about being born. One, the child must come to full term. There is a possibility of being born seriously out of season. In other words, too much premature, the child cannot live. Now, sometimes we try to hoop something up and get people, quote, born again by doing something less than bringing them to that full place of repentance from sin, giving their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing him to come into their hearts and lives. And so we try to do a number. All you have to do is repeat this little prayer after me. Say, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. Now you're my Savior. And then we say, we are born again. And then the person turns around, they fall back and sin and say, they backslid. The fact is, they never were born Again, when that dramatic transformation takes place, life changes on every plane of being. It never can be the same by going back. person goes right back in the world and says, well, I tried it once, didn't, nothing happened to me, it didn't work. Well, of course nothing happened, because the person was not born again. Now, a second thing about being born, the first time, is in the mother of the womb, the child has a certain amount of time to be there, whether it be eight months, nine months, ten months, it varies a little bit with the child, but somewhere around nine months is a proper time to be in the womb. If it does not come out of the womb at that time, it will die. It either must be born or it must die. There is no chance for it to simply say, I will just stay here forever. See, some people in this life are not understanding that this world is like a womb for being born again coming into that spiritual experience, which again is newness of life. So what they want to do is stay in this world as long as they can. Two things are comparable. Child, let's say if it had a will of its own, says, no, I like it here. I wish to stay here forever in this particular place. He cannot stay. The child cannot stay there forever. When that period of time is up, the child must go on to whatever is out there. Must go to life or must go to death. No possibility of remaining here. So in this world, there is no possibility of remaining here. We must go at the proper time, whether that be 50, 60, 70, for some very young, some will be 80 or 90 or 100 maybe. It doesn't really matter, just like the child. It could be six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, ten months. But at some point, that term is finished, and we must go on. And in the same way that the child must be, that's why those illustrations are there, to make it clear. In the same way the child must go on to life or death. He must be born properly, or he must die. Cannot simply remain. So likewise, people try to get organ transplants. There's a certain amount of trying to keep alive in a certain sense. But no matter how much you try to keep alive, no matter how much you would strive to have rejuvenation worked on you and all kinds of... People say, one day we'll be able to keep people alive forever. It will never be possible. There is a term of a man's life. And the Bible speaks about it three score and ten. And if by reason of strength, four score and other... But it doesn't make any difference. We all come to the end of that time. You can replace heart and mind and brain and everything you wish to replace. But at some point, God calls that spirit out, and it must go on to life, or it must go on to death. 
Now, the way it goes on to life is exactly the way the Bible says. You must be born again. Yes, you were born of the water. Now you must be born of the water and the Spirit. In other words, born of the flesh and now born in the Spirit. Now, but notice when you are born, you cannot go back in the womb. When you are born, you cannot go back in the world. These two things, they cannot work with each other. So we're talking about a totally new life. All right. Now, do you understand that? How many of you understand that, what I said? All right, praise God. Now, I would like you to turn with me to some other illustrations that we have here. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. It'd be good for you, some of you, to make notes of these, especially those of you who are in the teaching ministry or think God is developing you that way. But from my point of view, it'd be good for every one of you to take notes and go over these kinds of things in your mind or mark these places in the Bible. They're very important scriptures. Ephesians 5. Now I'm going to read from verse 1 to 8. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just like a child will imitate his parent. A child cannot imitate his parent in the womb, by the way, and you cannot imitate God while you're in the world. See, you must be born again. Then being born again, God is your father, and you can begin to imitate him. All right, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as proper among saints. There must be no filthiness nor silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. That's out of that old world. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. There's just no way you can do that. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Now notice the wording that's next. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Let me go over this statement again. It doesn't say you were formerly in darkness. It says you were formerly, what? You were formerly darkness. See, darkness was in you. If your eye be evil, then the light that is in you is put out in that darkness. And how great, the Bible says, is that darkness. See, when we were in the world, we were in total darkness. We were darkness. Now the Bible says when we come to Christ, we are in light. Now, notice it doesn't say we are light. Now, that makes quite a distinction there. It says we are what? We are light in the Lord. We are children of light. Why does it not say we are light? Who is light? Jesus is light. See? He says, I am the light of light. He came in this world. He was the light that lightens every man. If we can understand that we have come into Christ, and coming into Christ, we are light in the Lord. You'll never be light by yourself. Some people say, oh man, I've learned to walk the Christian way, and I'm just a radiant, shining light. No, no, no. If we've learned to walk in the Lord, it is Christ the light who shines out of us. But we're never the light. We are children of the light. We are sons of the light. We are light in the Lord. But once we were darkness, not in darkness, 
We were darkness. Now the Bible says we have been translated out of. Now you know what the translated means? It's speaking of the New Testament concept of translation. The Bible tells us in the end time, and I'll read about in this proper place, in the end time it says, we shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And then it tells us this body, in that twinkling of an eye, this mortal body which is decaying every day, at the time the Lord Jesus comes, we that are alive and remain to meet him, it says this body will be transformed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. As a matter of fact, the word there is etimos, the smallest undivided particle. See, now if you can imagine a particle so small it can no longer be cut in another piece, that's how small a moment it will be that this body, mortal, will put on immortality, and then we shall be like him forever. In the same way, once that is done, no going back to that old body again. That is gone forever. Like the old life is gone forever. There's no way to go back to that life without bringing total destruction upon ourselves. There's no way we can simply go back into that world again. Now, therefore, just as we were once darkness, now we are light. Now turn, please, to 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. The Bible speaks a very similar thing. We'll just read it there because the comments would be very similar for it. 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. It says, For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. That old life has completely passed away. Now turn with me, please, for another illustration, Romans 6, 1 to 12. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his, what is the word? We have been baptized into his death. Therefore, as we have been buried with him. Now notice this principle. As he went into death on the cross, the Bible says we're crucified with Christ. I'll read that also, the scriptures to come. It's hard to keep these things separate, and yet I want to follow them in some kind of a sequence here. That we're crucified with him, and as he was buried three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so when we are born again, that old life died. That's what baptism signifies. That's why every Christian should be baptized. Not when you're a baby. There's no way you can make a decision for Christ as a baby. Some person is baptized, baby, not any harm done. But that's not what Christian baptism is all about. It is an intelligent response to that which has taken place. We have come to the Lord Jesus. We have repented of our sins. Lord, I see this old life. Death abides in it. I am in darkness. I am darkness. Now, Lord Jesus, I wish to come to you. I want you to come into my life. You are light. Give me light. Forgive my sins. Transform me. Let me be like you. Whatever our words might be. And then we are translated out of the kingdom of the darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We go from death to life. And the Bible says that old life, death. Because it was death. There was no life in it to begin with. It wasn't like we were kind of alive. We were totally dead. We were little, little light, totally darkness. See? Now, in that world of darkness, like in the womb, a world of darkness, see? there's physical life, but not life. It's not complete. It never can be. Therefore, it's darkness. It is only as it comes into the light that it begins to live. And all the relationships that we know as life, father, mother, child, Johnny, Willie, Mary, Sam, whatever it is, and all the love that we can give, that's when all of these things take place, only when it comes into the light. In exactly the same way the Bible tells us in this world, we are walking in darkness, and it's only as we come into the light that God can be God and Savior can be Savior and brother can be brother and sister, sister, and life begins. And without that, there is no life. See, that principle is to be thoroughly understood and leaned upon, or simply people miss the whole point.
By the way, I say, I repeat to you, if you have not been baptized in water, you absolutely should be baptized in water. And don't let anybody go like this or like this. You get baptized in water because that's a symbolic picture, but it's more than just, oh, it's a symbol. Not just a symbol. If you understand what I said here this morning and you're baptized, say, Father, I died to that old world and I'm alive in Christ Jesus. God will burn that picture into your heart and throughout your whole life it will sustain you time and time again when Satan comes to tempt you or torment you. You'll say, no, I died to that life and Satan, you have no power over me. I've been raised again in newness of life. And that's what that means when the person is baptized and that water closes over them. That's exactly like what a grave is. Down into the grave and the dirt closes and that person say, they are dead. Well, that's exactly what happened to us. That is a real picture of a reality that has taken place we have died to that life and died to that sin. It is no more for us unless we rebuild it again. And God forbid that we should ever do that. And then the water closes over us like the dirt and that person is gone. And then newness of life, like as Christ came up out of the heart of the earth three days and three nights and he rose to die no more. So we are raised by Christ to die no more. It is eternal life. Eternal life. Now we have to understand, it can never go back into that pit again. That's why the Bible calls a pit, it's a grave, a tomb. We never want to go back in there again. All right. Now, Romans 6, For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, so the same situation, death, that a body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. All right. Now, if you turn to 1 John 3.14, very similar mentality. You see this everywhere consistent in the Bible. It's something that the apostles understood by the Spirit, and they ministered it everywhere. We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Now, see, he's saying equality will go with you. We know we have passed out of death into life. All right, now, we're not like getting out of it. We are totally out of it. Now, if you take a look at Galatians 2.20, a result of this situation. Perhaps many of you know this scripture, and yet it should be read many times, because in the light of what I'm saying here, maybe you can understand it a little better. Galatians 2.20. And by the way, Paul had a great deal to say in Galatians about the idea of trying to make yourself acceptable to God by good works. It's totally impossible. You're acceptable to God through Christ Jesus himself. You're acceptable to God because you're born again. You're a child in his family. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. There's that same principle of death. It is no longer I who live. Now, a transformed life, a transferred life, a new life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I'm still in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Now, the life that you live as Christians, what kind of life is it? Is it you living that life? What does the scripture say? Is it you living that life? No. What is living that life? Not what. Who is living that life? It is Christ who lives in you. Now see, if Christ does not be in you, it is, therefore I say, I've heard people say, well, I go to church every Sunday. It has nothing to do with going to church. Church is important in our lives. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. To be in church is a very important thing in your growth in knowledge and but you can go to church all the days of your life, from the day you're born to the day you die, and you will have no life whatever by that fact alone. 
It is not going to church. It is not hearing sermons. It is not doing good works. It is not being a fine fellow. It is not paying your bills. It is Christ within. It is being born again. It is a newness of life. As a matter of fact, if a person went to church and heard these words, he'd say, well, I know by just sitting here in church, I'm not a Christian. I know by just sitting here in church, that's not it. Something must happen to me. And that's something that must happen, is we must be born again. We must pass out of death into life. We must be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And every man must make that personal transaction with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There's no way in which I can just do like this. You're all, because you're members of my church, you're now all Christians. You're all going to heaven. There's no way that I could do that. I myself stand in jeopardy before God if I were to attempt that. I must come to Christ myself and say, Lord, James Durkin is a sinner. I have sinned and come short of your glory. I repent of my sins. I realize I'm abiding in death. And Lord, I want you to save me. Then Christ Jesus comes into my heart by an act of faith. By grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So God's grace comes to me, my heart opens up, Christ Jesus comes on the inside, my sins are forgiven, I am born again. But me being born again does not make you born again. Me being called to preach does not make you born again. Me living a holy life, whatever God may judge about that, and I'm not the judge of that, I try to live the best I can, God himself can judge that. But whether I live the most holy life, even approximating Christ's holy life, it would not be of any benefit to you, whatever, unless you also were born again, unless you also come to your own place of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible is so strong on this point. We simply must understand it or we will miss everything. So I said, no longer I who live. It's not me. I died. When I was about that symbol, James Durkin died when he was about 20 years of age. And at that time, a whole new creation came into being. Same name, same body, same citizenship in America, but at that time I became a citizen of another country where there's neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And I know that probably nearly everyone here is born again. I'm not sure if everyone is. But therefore we are citizens of that country. We have been translated out of darkness into light. See, that's why we must live as sons of the light, the Bible says. We cannot go back and say, well, I'm going to live this way. Are you in this world? You have to do what this world does. No, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. You're in this world. You are not of this world. All right. Now turn with me, please, because this new source of life we've been talking about. Now take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. For if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. All this is God's doing. Now let's read that again. Are you in Christ? How many here are sons of the living God? Can I see your hand? You know the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, then this is for you. Now, let's see what this is for you, what it says. For if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether, not a better person. A slightly improved person or a greatly improved A new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. All this is God's doing, for he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and made us agents of that reconciliation. Hallelujah. We're part of that great process of bringing others to Christ Jesus. Now, what is the outcome of this happening? Not like, well, we're going to work our way up to it, and then suddenly God will say, okay, now you can have this benefit. No. The minute we are born again, a whole new set of relationships appears. John 20, 17, I'm just going to quote this to you. 
after Jesus had raised from the dead, Mary came to him and she clung on to him after he revealed himself as the risen Lord. He had raised from the dead and she saw who he was, thought at first he was the gardener, then he spoke to her, Mary, that Rabboni, and she came and clung on to him. And he said, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. He said, I now ascend to, now listen to these words. Here's Mary. The only thing she can know in this life is, well, I, I serve uh, God the best I know how, and uh, I sure hope he's my God, and I'm trying to do the best I can, but I've been a terrible sinner, and uh, I, I just have walked so wrong. Well, who's your father? Mary? Well, uh, this man over here, he's my father. And uh, now Jesus said, I want to tell you something wonderful. He said, I ascend to my father and your father. I ascend to my God and your God. See, a whole new set of relationships is now taking place. See, a child may be in the womb, and you'll say, who is the father of this child? Well, what do you mean, who is the biological starter of life? But the child may never be born. It will never know to call you father. You will never speak to it and say, my son or my daughter or the mother, this is my child and I, as long as it's there. But the minute that it's born, someone says, there's your son. There's your daughter. This is your child. You say, my son, my daughter, my child. You're the father. Yes, I'm the father. This is my, this is the mother. We, a whole set of relationships began at that moment. Before that as well, yes, I'm the father and my wife is carrying the child and we, but the relationships can never be until that moment that the transformation takes place. And the same thing that you can't say, well, we believe in God and we're God-fearing people. All that can be true. But it's only at that moment that you're born again. It's that moment that you pass from death to life. It's that moment that you're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into his dear son. That these relationships become vital and real. And you say, my God. Because we've come into covenant. My Father. My Savior. My Lord. See? And then Lord looks it up and says, my son. My daughter, my handmaiden, my beloved, my relationship is what we're speaking about. Not belief. Not just belief. I go to church and I believe in the Bible and I believe in Jesus. Not that. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Okay. Whole new set of relationships. First one is my God and your God. And Jesus speaks there in John 8, 41. You don't have to turn to it. Speaks of us in the old life. He said, the deeds of your father you will do. Who's your father? He said, Satan is your father. Satan is called the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. We used to serve the God of this world. He was our father. We say, oh, I don't serve the devil. Of course, the Bible reveals we all serve the devil. We live for ourselves. Man that lives for himself is a slave to sin. If you live for Jesus Christ, you're free of that, if you come to that born-again experience. Philippians 3.20 speaks about us having a new citizenship. I explained that. Philippians 3.20, read it for yourself. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We have not received the spirit of this world, but we have received the Holy Spirit. So the old spirit which we have is the spirit of this world. That spirit is gone. When we died, passed away, we have a new spirit that dwells with us, the Holy Spirit. And we should walk by that Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27, it speaks about the great mystery which had been hid from all ages and all generations, and that mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not I believe in Christ in the heavens or I believe that Christ came, or I believe that Christ rose, or I believe Christ in you, Christ living in you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, that life, because we're talking about a whole different, a spiritual life. 
We're talking about, and what is that spiritual life? The spiritual life is Christ in you. The spiritual life is the Holy Spirit in you. The spiritual life is God the Father in you. The Bible says, if any man love me, my Father will love him, and I will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode in him. See, God lives in you if you are a born again, if you are truly in that place of life. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.16, Incredible as this may sound, we have the mind of Christ. You have a totally new mind. And then Romans tells us that we're to let that mind be renewed from within. Now, what is not new? There's only one thing that's not new. And I want to explain about that. And then uh, if you turn with me to Romans 8. See, all these wonderful things. My mind is new. My life is new. My spirit is new. My mentality is new. Everything is new. One thing is not new. Romans 8 chapter. And we'll start at verse 18 here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Not the creation of the sons of God. They're already created. Waiting for the revealing. There is a life in us. There's a life in all those saints that have gone before. And there's going to come a day in Christ Jesus when the sons and daughters of the living God are revealed to the world in all of their glory. Remember what John said? He said, we do not know what we shall be like, but this we know. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's what's going to be revealed. We shall be like him. Last week I spoke to you about being conformed to the image of God's Son. That's what's happening in us. We're born again, complete in Christ Jesus, and now this work of knowledge and shaping and so forth is going on, and we are being conformed to the image of God's Son. And in due time, that is going to be revealed to the whole universe. And the Bible says that the whole creation groans and travails, waiting for this. You can look at it. Death is everywhere. But when the sons of God are revealed, death will be no more. All right, now, back to where we were reading here, Romans 8, chapter 18, verse 20, rather. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him, as God is speaking about, who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from the slavery to corruption into that freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together unto now. And not only this, but we also, we ourselves groan, having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, that great revelation day. And what is that great adoption? When will it take place? The Bible speaks about the redemption of our body. See, that body is not redeemed yet. That's why it still gets older. My spirit isn't getting older. Hallelujah. My spirit passed into eternal life. And my soul isn't getting older. People talk about we're old souls. I'm not an old soul. I'm a brand new, born again, eternal soul. Hallelujah. And in that land of eternity, there is no age. God isn't getting older. They got it every day. Well, now he's uh, 62,683,947,000 birthday coming up in October. That's, there is no such thing as that. Time is not in that realm, see. And in the realm that I live and that you live, in the spirit, the realm that we live in our souls, eternal life has already begun. But this body is decayed. And one day it must leave this earth by one of two ways. It must either go by the grave or another way that I'll tell you about in a moment. Hallelujah. And I prefer the second way, but the first way is okay too as long as I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 
25th verse, but in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does also one hope for what he sees? But if we hope for that we do not see, then we with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, and we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings much too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know, living in this body is not the most glorious thing from our personal point of view. But I tell you, from God's point of view, he talks about we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So when Jesus Christ came in, I have a treasure in this earthen vessel. Now, this old pot I'm carrying this vessel around in. See, and as I say, well, that guy's getting a pot there, and he's getting a, uh, let's refer to it, the old pot's kind of breaking down. And, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of it out here somewhere. See, it might be 55, maybe 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, but somewhere the pipes will not function, the heart will not pump, the blood will not move, and the brain will not glow. And then we leave. Because this, all this is, is just a temporary house. It doesn't matter. And people are trying to keep the, oh, I gotta fight to keep this alive. And I, there's a reasonable amount of fighting we should do to keep it alive. But I'm gonna tell you, if you fight to keep your body alive, when it's gonna die anyhow, and you go to the hospital, and you spend all your wife's money, and you spend all your children's money, and you spend all the next 15 generations money trying to keep your body alive, that's a judgment you have to make for yourself. But for myself, I told my wife, listen, make reasonable, something happens to me, a reasonable effort that I recover. But as far as sticking me on a machine and keeping me alive for a year and a half in a hospital when my brain is already dead and there isn't a wave there of any kind, you're just trying to pump blood through and keep food in there and just jump, jump, jump. And man, they're rather, well, now it's another 1,500, now 3,000, now 17,000, now wipe. Let me go, hallelujah. Man, what a place to be stuck. I can't preach the gospel and I'm not in heaven. And suddenly so you got a tube in my mouth. <laughs> take the thing away, hallelujah. I want to go. Either God heal me or take me down the way. Because I'm newness of life. And this old body, man, I want a what I want? A new body. Fashioned like unto his own glorious body. Hallelujah. Never again. No sickness, no disease, no dying, so forth. The Bible says the purpose of this treasure in this earthen bed. Say, why don't you give me a new body right now? Whoa, what I could do, Lord Jesus, then. No, sir. God's wisdom is being manifested to you every day of your life on this earth. And the Bible says that God is determined to demonstrate his manifold wisdom through the church of the powers and principalities that exist. So here you are in this body, and it's a confusing time that we go through. Here I am, here you are, here we are, sons and daughters of the living God. And yet we're living in this world, and this body is dragging us down sometimes, pulling on us. Oh, God, I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel. I'm supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be doing this. And here this body isn't functioning right today. And why don't you give me a new body? And oh, I just feel like then temptations come and struggles and so forth to make this body do this and do that and the other thing. And the warfare is going on, the Bible speaks about. Sometimes that warfare gets pretty heavy. But you know what? Satan said, there's, a, there's something you have to understand here. Satan, this arch enemy of God, this incarnation of evil today, not wasn't that way in the beginning, but became that way by his own will, and he is set to overthrow the purposes of God. Here he had a powerful angelic body, 
As a matter of fact, as anointed cherubim, higher creation. He stood in the very presence of God. He led the praises of the whole universe, and he fell. Fell into sin, willing to fall. Said, I will be like God. I will put my thrones on the side of the... I will overthrow God. I will. And God cast him down for his sin, for his evil that he did. Now he's saying, no one can live for God. The restrictions you put on are much too heavy. People can't do it. Now here, we're born again. You see, if we suddenly had an angelic body, he said, oh, sure, you give him an angelic body, they're going to get starved, they're going to end up just like me. But what God has left us in is this body. This body with all the old habit patterns from the old life, with all the old thoughts that I can remember. With all, well, I'm dead. The stand inside, yet these patterns are kind of confused and mixed up sometimes. And man, here's this pull and that pull and this thing and this thing. But into that weakness of humans lives Christ. And in the middle of it, though it looks like we go down to defeat again and again, we that have set our hearts to live for Christ, Lord Jesus, to follow your purpose, to glorify you on this earth, to carry out your vision on this earth, to do what you want in this earth, Lord. It seems like we go down to defeat. It seems like we're broken. It seems like we're well nigh gone. And then in the middle of it, one word is spoken, but God. But God came. But God empowered us. But God strengthened us. But God saved us. But God was there. And somehow out of that defeat, we rise up again. Paul said, often cast down. Often knocked down. Often shoved down. Never knocked out. Never defeated. Never broken. Somehow we rise back up again. And Satan's looking at that and say, they're going down for the count. They're all finished. This is short. God, see that? And then here we rise back up again and say, Lord Jesus, I'm walking with you. Hallelujah. Say, that's like, oh, God, they're not supposed to do that. They, God says, the life is of me. You rejected me, the source of life. You depended upon your angelic body, your great mind, your brilliant wisdom. And you have fallen. Oh, how far you have fallen, Satan. In the end, you fall to hell itself. But here are these little little tiny humans with their little bitty brains and their little tiny, weak, little frail body. Just take a stick and go, <clears throat> and the person's gone. It's not like, say, you take a stick and hit him in the way. <clears throat> Tremendous force. Just a little tap like this or something. We're all done. Our little tiny bacteria get us and grow and kill us. These little weak things who have allowed a treasure to come in the inside, who have been born again, they rise up again and again. Say, I'm coming, Lord Jesus. Right? Now, one day, the Bible says he'll take this body, this vile body. Hallelujah. That's what it is. It's a good body. It's a vile good body. Right? And it says he's going to give us a body like unto his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. And then this treasure, which is in earthen vessels, will no longer be an earthen vessel. It'll be in a body like unto his glorious body, and we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if you can see how great is the mystery of Christ in you, how great is the glory of the being born again, how wonderful it is to be baptized in water, how glorious it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with a heavenly language that the Holy Spirit gives to you. How wonderful it is to speak the name of Jesus and know you can touch the ear and the heart and the mind of the Father in heaven 
And Jesus himself, ever sitting at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for you, he prays for you. And thus, in our weakness, the Bible says the Holy Spirit recognizes our weakness. And even when we don't know how to pray, we're so confused. Oh, God, what do I, how do I pray? I don't know what. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit himself begins to pray with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you in your little place before God, and you're down there, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. See, you think that's, somebody says, what kind of a prayer is that? That may be the mightiest prayer ever prayed in the universe. That's the groanings which cannot be uttered. You can't put it in words. But I'll tell you something that's being translated in the heavenly to the Father's rising up and saying, angels, answer that prayer. See? And next thing we're delivered out, we say, wow, hallelujah, what happened? The prayers were heard. The Holy Spirit met your needs. See? Now that's our Father that cares for us. That's why Paul said, I am convinced, he said. Let me read it to you. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is Romans 8.35. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. That's what Satan said. Well, if it's a sword, then they would. Or if they had this, then they would. If they had that, then they would. All those things have come on God's people. Never been able to separate us from the love of Christ. Just as written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Little old weak hunks of dust, we overwhelmingly conquer. How do we do that? Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That being true... Let me read this. Our life is Christ. Our future is Christ. Let us live for the will and the purpose of the one who lived and died for us. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Amen? Let's all stand together. Give thanks to the one who redeemed us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you, Lord. We're so thankful to you, Lord, that you give us comfort and you give us victory and you give us power. And that power is not in our own mind or our own thoughts or our own strength or our muscles or our will. But, Lord, that power is in knowing what you do for us and what you have done for us. That power is in knowing that you live within us. That power is knowing that you love us. That power is knowing that you will never allow us anything that will come in this life has no power ever to separate us, letting us know that. That, Lord, no matter how hard it may come or what it may come or how weak we are compared to the things of this universe, Lord, when it's all over, we'll still be on our feet and still walking, we who have set ourselves to follow after you, Lord Jesus.